0: Welcome to What's Working in Washington.
1: I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, DC, it's kind of a big deal. Greater Washington is seeing more and more of those deals, and I think we should lay claim to them. Shouldn't shy away from the fact that it was almost an accident that we had a deal that was over $100 million. You know, we talk about Everfine, there was Tenable. There was, you know, if you count one web, that was a huge deal.
0: Our next guest covers the heartbeat of Washington business from his perch at the Washington Business Journal, his business reporter, Andrew Medici, he's a regular guest, and we're happy to have him here with us today. Andy, great to see you.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Well, uh, let's start with this. You reported not so long ago, Stephen Fuller over at Mason Shar School has been continuing to produce some interesting numbers. What's going on with the local economy, according to Stephen?
1: Well, Professor Fuller, who has been watching the local economy for decades, for as long as most people can even remember is looking at the numbers and he doesn't find them encouraging. He's not saying that we're on the decline. What he's worried about is slowing growth. You know, in the top 15 metro areas across the country, we are the lowest we are ranked last in terms of income growth per person. Uh we're slipping behind in terms of affordability in terms of high-quality jobs and that is what he's concerned about. He's worried if we don't do more now, we're going to find ourselves in a tougher spot down the road. That's
0: certainly a theme that uh, he's been pursuing for the last couple of years. He's released various reports around uh, industrial clusters focused on certain things. Do you get the sense that his message resonate with the business
1: community yet? I think it's tough to be the bearer of bad news. And I think for a lot of people, they see new buildings going up, they see new businesses going in, and they don't see anything wrong. And when I asked Professor Fuller about this, he told me, That it's clear in the numbers and starting to show in the numbers that there are some small problems that are growing into larger ones So there's what people can see with their eyes, which is always very tempting And then there's what the underlying data is beginning to show us, which is a slowing of growth in the region
0: What are his prescriptions for what do we need to do to to, uh, make this change?
1: What he's most worried about is adding high-quality high-paying jobs to the economy the last few years we haven't added as many of those ever since federal government stopped spending as much. So instead, we've seen a lot more hospitality jobs and retail jobs. They tend to pay less. Uh, they tend, And that, in turn, means that those people can buy less, can afford less in terms of homes. So what he's hoping is for us to make concerted efforts as a region to expand those areas of the economy that offer high-paying jobs, those business service jobs, those tech sector jobs uh, that are not related to the federal government.
0: You know, you mentioned a bit earlier, and, and I think this has certainly been my experience watching Professor Fuller, you know, bringing bad news to the community here. It doesn't it doesn't play too well. Do you think that this region is uh, particularly hard on the contrary of views?
1: I think that it's hard to be the one person or the one of few people who say there's a problem. You know, money follows money, and optimism for a lot of people is really what does it. You know, confidence and optimism, a lot of people base their... Uh, base their opinions on that. So I definitely think it's hard. I think he has an uphill road to climb in order to convince uh, a lot of people that there are underlying problems until those problems become more apparent.
0: So let's move our attention away from economics and uh, the numbers to another set of numbers. Uh, You covered recently in the venture capital numbers for the quarter for the region came out, and it was a very strong quarter. I think uh, it was probably one of the best quarters we've had in a while. Tell me uh, what your sense is of where the the market for financing growing businesses is right now
1: you're right greater washington's had a great quarter uh more than 400 million dollars in investments and part of that is because we are seeing more than our share uh historically we're on path we're on a tack to blow past a billion dollars in financing and you know that's driven that was driven in large part by the by 190 million brought in by the education technology company everfi which has been making great strides in the past few years
0: yeah we had tom david uh, Tom Davidson on the show, and we've been following Everfi. You know, you mentioned Everfi. You mentioned 190 million out of the 400. When I've been looking at the venture numbers, Andy, what what concerns me is it seems that every quarter we have one big outlier deal. You know, Everfi. You know, one web at the end of last year, which was a billion two, and really drove our number up for that quarter and uh, tenable and so forth. And when I look at the baseline, I see a market that's the tenth largest in the country, and and I'm. I'm more of a glasses half full kind of guy when I look at this than you are, I think.
1: Well, I like to think that maybe the glass isn't the right size, right? I think (laughs) that uh, it's tempting to dismiss these as outlier deals. These These large deals dismiss them and sort of look at the underlying numbers. And I hesitate to do that only because other regions don't. Silicon Valley doesn't dismiss their mega deals as outlying deals. Greater Washington is seeing more and more of those deals. And I think we should lay claim to them. Shouldn't shy away from the fact that it was almost an accident that we had a deal that was over a hundred million dollars. You know, we talk about Everfi, there was tenable, there was, you know, if you count one web, that was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those were three in the last three quarters. So I would like to say, I would like to say that maybe we should make lay claim to those mega deals instead of uh working to uh, see if if they're sort of outlying numbers. After all, they were products of the ecosystem. And if we are trying to look and see what the ecosystem is doing those mega deals uh, play a large role in terms of funding new businesses building new entrepreneurs and starting even more smaller businesses
0: i mean speaking of the ecosystem what i'm seeing now is that we seem to have a very good ecosystem in angel capital to start technology businesses and once they reach the point where they're scaling you can find the 10 to 20 million 30 million dollar rounds i still see a huge problem in the businesses that have gotten past the beginning need that two to three million dollars to scale up are you seeing any trends to change that
1: well that is one area you know that sort of seed to a round depending on how you value it you know a few million dollars that's always been sort of a struggle point for a lot of dc companies and there have been more funds that have opened in the last couple years uh you know lavrock ventures uh, next gen venture partners has opened their own and there will probably be a few more coming down the pipe now is that enough probably not and what we're seeing in exchange, there's a lot of regional funds coming in from North Carolina, from Philadelphia. And I do see a trend where some of those uh, venture funds see an opportunity in D.C. Would it be nice to have homegrown funds investing in homegrown companies? Of course. But I think in the next couple of years, you will see a lot of regional players investing in those rounds in D.C. businesses.
0: So last thing before I let you go, other than cybersecurity, where do you think that entrepreneurs should be planting their flags right now to grow and scale up tech companies?
1: I think uh, in Greater Washington, at least, there's a lot of emphasis on artificial intelligence, on machine learning, uh, using those to make some of those complicated and difficult processes easier, whether it's financial services, whether it's uh, programming. I also think that one area that DC doesn't get enough credit for, but it's slowly growing, is uh, virtual reality. We have uh, a small but growing number of startups that are using some of the technologies coming out of government are using some of the technology that is evolving sort of on their own and they're building virtual tools, virtual tool sets. And I think that's gonna be a very fascinating area to watch.
0: So are you optimistic for the next six months?
1: The next six months? Yes, the next six years, come again and ask me later.
0: Well, you gotta keep yourself employed, Andy. Let's be fair. (laughs) If
1: the future was certain, I don't know how people would buy newspapers. There you
0: go. Andy, as always, thanks for coming in. It was Andrew Medici, business reporter in the Washington Business Journal. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to What's Working in Washington. Today's podcast is brought to you by Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation, MCEDC, helping companies start, grow, and accelerate business in Montgomery County. The future starts here. Go to thinkmoco.com today. A special thanks to our sponsor, Eagle Bank. How do you get to be number one in the D.C. area? Eagle Bank did it by putting relationships first. They're flexible, involved, responsive, strong, and trusted. Eagle Bank's goal is your success. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan. Our online contributors are Michael Hoffman, Barbara Ulrich, and Candace Pye. Music provided by two D.C. region bands, two-car living room, and the Sunbaters. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening.